0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. Yeah, nobody wanted to record this one. We delayed it after the Norwich game to come after the Liverpool game. Maybe that was a mistake. We should have done one after Norwich and just forgot the Liverpool one, right, Imran?
2: <laughs> well, yeah. To be fair, I think we could all see that result coming, so probably would have been a better idea. But, well, it's the bigger game, unfortunately, and we have to talk about it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, look, obviously, I'm sure there won't be any United fan listening who is under any impression there was anything under a, other than a horrific night. Last night, we are recording this one day after because nobody was in the mood to record yesterday. uh. But yeah, that that's the kind of sad thing. Um, We weren't that surprised, were we? You know, even pre-match we were thrown out and people were saying, look, if we could keep this down to two or three, I'll be pretty happy. Uh, You know, a few minutes in, I know there was a few predictions of like double figures going out, obviously half jokingly, but yeah, look, yeah, I mean, like I said, pre-match, you were expecting the worst, right?
2: Yeah. I, I was thinking it'd be three or four. Uh, I'd have been happy with one or two. And I think it'd be three or four. And then I was dreading more than that. Um, thought our record loss, well, our record loss is 5-0, 6-1. 6-1 to Chelsea is our record loss, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. So I,
2: felt, I feel like I, I, that that could my, that was in jeopardy, I felt. But yeah, just played out basically. Pretty much how you kind of thought it would. They were the much better team, the more dominant side, looked more competent. Uh, Wanted it more. I mean, Bruno said something along the lines of, "They were they were a league to play for, and we have nothing to play for." It's taken a bit out of context, to be fair, that quote. But it showed they they had a they had a league to play for, and they were just streets ahead of us in in every single department.
1: It's yeah, it's a really sad state where we're at. I mean, we should caveat it with the fact that obviously we had a lot of players out. I mean, it's what six, seven players out: Ronaldo, mm. Varane, Fred, McTominay, Shaw. Sure. Cavani, of course, Greenwood been missing for a long time now. And then 10 minutes, whatever, in Pompa limps out as well. Uh, although I'm not sure if that made things any worse. Maybe it actually made things better. Uh, you know, He looked like he didn't fancy it at all, did he?
2: No, I don't think he did. Uh, he probably looked around 1-0 down, looked around after eight minutes, thought, nah, this isn't for me. This <laughs>
1: <laughs> That is. This really, game, it really there's a nice warm bench like over that. there. Uh, there was there was some quite crazy comments, actually, from Ralph Raniuk. You know, I think we've all said that we like his kind of honesty. And he talked about Pogba's injury and he just said, look, there's too many players getting injured here. There's really something wrong. And he's obviously pointing figures, fingers at our kind of, you know, doctors and st- some of the staff dealing with the sports injuries and sports science side of it. Um And, you know, it's just one big part of all the different things that he seems to be saying is not good in the background of the club at all.
2: He's not having a good time, is Ralph, is he? He doesn't seem to be enjoying himself at all.
1: He's uh, not at all. And although I do think that Ralph has to take a bit of the blame here for exactly, especially the kind of awful start, because, you know, you, you, we were all expecting the worst, but you thought maybe we can hold on. For a while, you know, for half an hour, even 45 minutes. But within five minutes, it's out the window. But it's a pretty crazy, you know, it's a kind of almost experimental lineup he threw out there. I mean, of course, I know with all these injuries, there was really no good options. Uh, You know, sometimes on Twitter, I throw out my kind of lineup prediction and I did it the day before. And a lot of people were saying, oh, my God, if we have this kind of team out, um, then we're going to get absolutely annihilated. And I said, yeah, but look, what options do we have? There's no Fred, there's no McTominay, Varane, sure, none of these players are available. So they were, the only other things, you know, some people were coming up with ideas of, well, maybe Mata can keep the ball. Uh, but, you know, really it's like clutching at straws at that point if you start thinking Juan Mata is the one who's going to save us. Um, yeah. But I do think that it was still a bit weird of him to go three at the back with Phil Jones in his, what, second start of the season, play Dallow at left back. That I know he has played there, as before and he has played there for Portugal and AC Milan but I don't think he's played left side under Ralph at any point point. and you know he ended up then switching that right, we see Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the left side and I'm pretty sure that's the first time we've ever seen him play yeah, on the I left think, Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I, 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 I have a lot of sympathy for Ralph actually and I'm, I'm not I'm not in any way Ralph's biggest fan or anything, I think he does do things wrong sometimes but with this game with the options we had and honestly, I don't think it would have mattered. He could have played whatever whatever we would have picked. The players would have gone out there and probably the same result would have happened. Liverpool are just a way better side than us. And we have the same fallibilities, whether we're playing three at the back, four at the back, could have eight at the back. It's still the, we still have the same exact flaws. So it's, I mean, it's much and muchness. And even with the injuries, yeah, obviously we're missing a lot of key players and probably would have been a better performance had we had our... "Quote unquote strongest eleven, but I still think you know this is a team that what haven't lost a a game at home since two thousand and I think Fulham were the last team to beat them at home, something like that.
1: Um, yeah, look, they're so, obviously on top form, and they probably would have won it anyway. I do think yeah. we could have at least put up some kind of fight. Uh, but these players don't really up.
2: put up a fight, do they? Let's be honest, it's not well, really yeah, in there. No, the players, in who their do, locker.
1: the players who do put up a fight are the likes of Fred, the likes of McTominay, uh, who are the players who are not there, you know. Varane is our best defender. Luke Shaw is a much better option than Gallo or Juan Bissaka on the left side. And, you know, Ronaldo, for all his faults in his roundabout game, you know, he can maybe pull out some kind of goal or something from somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, but I do agree. I think probably the state where Liverpool are and the state where we are, it w- maybe we would have lost this game anyway. But it wouldn't have been this kind of level of embarrassment that it was just game over within the first five minutes. I mean...
2: We had our strongest 11 against them in the first game of the season at Old Trafford, didn't we?
1: Well, that was, I mean, that was actually much worse for me. As I said, that was the real shock where, okay, we weren't in good form then either, but Ole had been pulling out kind of big game results at that time, even when we weren't in good form. So that was the one that was much bigger of a killer. At this point, I <laughs> uh, don't want to start saying we're used to it, but it wasn't a surprise at all.
2: No, it wasn't a surprise. Uh, um, I mean, you know, yeah, like... It's just a result that everyone could see coming, I think, and that's the thing. Like at the end of the game, it wasn't really like I wasn't like really angry or upset. I was just like, well, yeah, resign, just resignation that that was going to happen, and it did happen. Obviously, I was annoyed, but you know, not in the not in the same way you would uh, expect to be when you just got hammered by Liverpool four nil. But probably because I just I was, yeah, I was set up for it.
1: Yeah, that is the real sad thing. It was just all resigned to from pre-match. Uh, and, you know, part of it was also came from that Norwich game. As I said, we didn't record for that. We did actually win it, but it was kind of a similar story to that Tottenham match where we didn't particularly play that well, but Ronaldo pulls out a hat-trick. Uh, you know, Norwich completely gave us one goal and credit to Ronaldo for the other two. One actually, you know, yeah, we actually managed to score another corner. And he finally scores a free kick to us, but that was also like a bit of a goalkeeper howler. Yeah, so I maybe think Grosje
2: should have saved that.
1: Really, that was it. So it kind of papered over what wasn't a great game, and for us to concede two goals to Norwich, who obviously bottom of the league, been struggling for goals all season. Then you knew only scored. Like, I
2: think they scored eight away goals all season before. <laughs> and they scored twenty-five like percent of their twenty um, percent of their away goals at Old Trafford now.
1: So that's why, look, none of us were expecting that much from this game. We, you know, the, Ralph gave us vague hope that maybe Varane might have been fit, and Ronaldo obviously, with the sad news uh, about his son, was yeah. only like knocked out kind of on the day. It was the day before that, that announcement came, so he was then unavailable. And then, yeah, yeah, you're really looking at, as you'd say, what four, maybe five players who you'd say are actually our first eleven starting this game and a couple of them are not in the best form either. I mean, Harry Maguire in particular. uh, You know, you can give some kind of caveats to the likes who are filling in, whether it's Lingard, whether it's Rashford that we know have been off form. But yeah, Maguire is now getting more and more press. I mean, Roy Keane came out after the game saying, look, I was been trying to defend him, and I don't know if you'd watched the overlap the other week with... Neville and Carriger, which is always a good watch. But Keane that day as well was really trying to protect Harry Maguire and saying, look, I think he just needs to play. He's not such a bad player and give him such time. But after this game, I think he was a bit regretting that he had been trying to like back him up. Because, yeah, at, at least like a couple of the goals, you could say, were right down to him. And you might expect Aaron wan out of position to be struggling. You might be- expect you know a couple of others, Phil Jones coming in after ages to be struggling. But Harry Maguire is supposed to be the one who's playing regularly, who's the captain, and he's kind of talked himself up pretty much as well. Did you see that interview with him? Uh, I where... mean, I
2: saw the clip that's been circulating and the quotes that's been pulled out whereby by saying, I get picked every week, so therefore I must, be, I must be doing something right, which, I mean, what a load of bullshit that is, but
1: yeah. Yeah, no, and I have to say, look, I've tried to defend him as well because he was... Did play well for his last season. He had a good year. He played well for England. He ended up in the Euro team of the season. So, yeah, you know there is a kind of good player in there somewhere, but he's just totally lost now. And I don't know. This is the thing. It's players like Maguire, like Rashford, where you say, look, is it a one-off season? Can they start afresh and come back to it? Or are they a total write-off now?
2: Um, <clears throat> to be fair, I think... They're two separate cases for me. And the Maguire case is a bit different in that I've never been his biggest fan anyway. And I think he's always had flaws since he's been here. He's had similar flaws. But just now, like, everything is just an absolute tragedy with him. A Greek tragedy, if you will, if we hack back to his arrest. Um, it's just he is not a man to bring calm to your defense. He is erratic. His decision making is poor everything he touches turns to shit, basically. He's poor with his, the ball at his feet. Like, every now and then, like, I mean, there was also that thing where he retweeted a video, basically. Someone someone on Twitter posted a video of his passing versus Norwich and Harry Maguire retweeted it, which, I mean, is a bit of a weird thing to do, is what I would say. But, like, every now and then he'll put a, a, a good pass out to the left wing, like a nice raking ball. But then... Other times his passing is just, it's bobbly, it's in the air, it's crap. Like the the pass for the fourth goal to Hannibal, what is he doing there? Just pass it back to the keeper. Why are you trying to play a pass on the stretch with your left foot to our 19-year-old lad who's just come on, who's on the touchline and got nowhere to go? It's just it's beggars belief some of the decisions he, he makes. And that couple with just charging out of defence for no apparent reason half the time. Like I, I, I've been saying, like, it's like, do you remember the game that David Luiz had for... Brazil against Germany in the seven-one game.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah, yeah.
2: it was just like an erratic mess. Like that is Maguire, but all the time an erratic mess. Like just running around, pointing. There's no, there's no discipline. He's not got control of his defence. He's not got control of his own body. He steps out and nobody else does. Like, he doesn't cut off passes. He's just, he is tragic at the moment. Absolutely tragic.
1: No, and I Would say that last season his actual kind of coming out of defence with the ball into the other half was actually one of his plus points. Um, But uh, as you say, he's obviously low, low on confidence. He's struggling with the pressure of being Manchester United captain. And this is the thing for me, like the questions now that are going to come out is, can he recover from this? Uh, You know, it's looking pretty clear that Eric Ten Hag is going to be our new manager. There's going to be a lot of decisions. There's going to be a lot of clear out. Some players who are not going to obviously be here next season. And I think one of the problems is that so many players are leaving anyway. I think quite a few players who probably don't deserve it will end up getting another mm. chance because you can't have 20 players leaving in a summer. Oh, that's it, yeah. Uh, and, you know, a bare minimum, we're already at like kind of six or seven when you start talking about those out of contract. You know, Pogba, Lingard, uh, Matic has now said he's going. Matter's is coming to the end of his contract you know, you've got the likes of... I mean, Eric Bay. where's he now? He, Phil Jones is preferred to him to come in on this game over mm-hmm. here. And that's, that's... He'll
2: go. Marshall probably go. Greenwood is still out. Maybe never seen again. Um, Yeah, it's... I agree. There's, there's so many people going out. It's... I mean, as much as everyone would like to say, clear the whole lot out, get rid of them all. It's not actually feasible to get rid of an entire squad of players. So therefore, players like Maguire, like Rashford, like wan like Dallo, probably not going anywhere um, and probably will get chances under Ten Hag. Um, Maguire will. I mean, he's the captain of Man United. He cost £80 million. Ain't nobody going to take him off us. He is our problem and he's Ten Hag's problem and Ten Hag's going to have to try and, and fix him, basically. Um, I guess it's whether then, therefore... Say Ten Hag starts him at the beginning of the season in defence, whatever, even if he's our captain, will he have the the wherewithal to bring him out, take him out of the team if he's continuing to perform like this? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I mean, for his own good, he really probably should just say, I'm happy to give up the captaincy or something, just even, even just to get the fans back on side a little bit.
1: I think that is the um, thing, that it's so difficult for a manager to take the captaincy mm. off somebody. It doesn't happen often. Like when somebody's given the armband, if you then Apart take it Apart from Arsenal. The...
2: I think, I'm pretty sure it happens at Arsenal every week, do not uh,
1: Well, Arsenal had it, but that was literally like, <laughs> took like uh, Granit Jacker like sticking two fingers up at his own fans for him to have the armband taken off. did
2: it, it take off Aubameyang as well? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like it happens every day.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, he sold him over there. But yeah, he's, and I said, and still like actually Grant Zakhar after that, still actually stayed at the club, even though he tried to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult to like take, because th- the thing is, if you take the captaincy off him, it might even make him go, hit his confidence even more. Um, but he, it could go the other way. I mean, I remember like Antonio Valencia, didn't he? He turned around at some point and said, listen, it, was, it wasn't the captaincy, it was the number seven shirt. Number seven said, shirt I don't yeah. want it. There's too much pressure. I don't want this because, you know, I don't deserve it kind of thing. So it would be great if Maguire turned around or something like that, you know, it gives the next manager a kind of uh, easy get out. Although at the same time, when it is a new manager, I think that does allow him to kind of say, all right, I'm going to choose a different captain. If your current manager chooses somebody different, I think that would kill confidence and cause a lot more problems for play. But if a new manager comes in and says, look, we're going to do things a bit differently then yeah, you can do it there. But we've had that conversation on this podcast before. Who do we even have in this squad who is deserving of being Manchester United captain? Well,
2: well that's it. And I think there is that we we lack leaders like very obviously and very tellingly. Like people say, Bruno should be captain. I think Bruno would be a, a terrible captain, to be honest with you. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, so who knows who who would be our captain? I think. I mean, it's just having. I mean, I don't. I don't think. McGuire has the foresight, or the—I don't know—I I just don't see him relinquishing it. Um, even though I think that would be a good idea for him on a personal level, who might say though? Um, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one. And if Ten Hag comes in and strips him of the captaincy, then that also creates problems straight away. So, I mean, it would be handy if he just said, you know what? If Ten Hag wants to give it to me, fine. But it's a free—it's free at the beginning of the season. We'll see who gets it. Kind of thing that would be useful, but. It's yeah, it's just, I mean, well, I, I saying, personally...
1: You know, who, who else would you give it to? If you had to right now, you said not an option, who, who is it I, then?
2: Probably Cristiano Ronaldo because, you know, he actually leads by example by actually putting the ball in the net and is a mm, consummate professional, even if... I mean, we uh, I think someone in our WhatsApp group said... Um, Ronaldo is a constant professional, but a professional for himself and not necessarily for the team, which I don't know. You could argue yes or no to that, but at least he is a professional. He has high standards and at least he would lead by example. So probably Ronaldo. It's not, but it's, again, not the best choice, is it?
1: It's not the best choice. I mean, I like, I, you know, I've had this discussion with people. I don't know myself. But I mean, the only player I see coming through who, when I see him talking, giving interviews, I kind of feel there yeah, maybe there is a leader in there somewhere. Is Scott McTominay actually? But is Scott McTominay should and will he always be a regular starter for Manchester United? Like I still like him. I think he is good enough to be a squad player for us. But I think ultimately we probably should be doing better. Mm. So you can't really well, make yeah. somebody a captain who's not like a week in, week out starter. Uh, yeah, I we kind need of, to improve on that. Yeah, I kind and of also, agree with you on Bruno. Like he's a bit kind of too erratic, bit emotional. Uh, just you know, always screaming at referees and things like that. So I don't know if he is that leader either.
2: The problem, I have, the problem with um, Tomini as well, is on, like, he's good off the pitch, talks game, but on the pitch he hides quite a bit. Um, I wouldn't say he's a leader on the pitch uh, for how well he speaks off it. Yeah, not for me. And like you said, ultimately, he is one of the players who you would hope to be displacing.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk obviously still about Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, these kind of players. Uh, we know it's an area that needs improving, but yeah, which, which area of our team at the moment doesn't need improving? Um, you know, Ralph said it himself. He, Like I said, he's been very honest. Uh, he's been coming out here and he said, look, there is a full rebuild needed. You know, he said bare minimum, there's going to be six, seven players, maybe even up to 10. I mean, I can't see ten new players coming in one window. But yeah, yeah, there is kind of quite a few players we've got out on loan who can come back in, whether it's James Garner and a few others. I mean, I'm sure Donny van der Beek will get another chance now with his old manager coming back into play. So yeah. I can
2: see a- I can see Garner and Van Der Beek playing a part next season. Garner especially. But t- ten is ten is a lot. I don't see ten. But I definitely minimum five I would have thought, surely. With the amount of just with the amount of bodies going out. There has to be.
0: At Luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus turns and conditions apply.
1: Yeah, and let's let's hope the Glazers are going to open up the purse strings. I mean, that's been the other big news in the past week. Uh, we briefly talked about it on the last podcast. There was quite a sizable protest at that Norwich game. And actually, yeah, there was a bigger turnout than many were expecting. Uh, it looked like quite a few thousand were definitely involved in kind of pre-match and many stayed out of the ground. Uh, Ed had actually predicted on the last podcast that we always start the game well. So yeah, it's going to be a shame for these guys and they did actually end up missing a goal, the ones who came in on the 17th minute. But still, look, fair play to them. I mean, I don't always necessarily agree with all the things said in these protests because I don't think the Glazers are going to leave because some guys are protesting. But I do think it's important for the fans to have their voice heard, to say, look, we're not happy on how the club's been being run. Things need to change. And as I said, the big things for me is how we're one year on from this kind of European Super League protest and there hasn't been much changing and for anything, like we've kind of gone backwards. Uh, so yeah, look, there was a big turnout there. I think there will be again, probably. It was actually penciled in for this Chelsea game, but now all of a sudden, our last two games have ended up as kind of midweekers. Uh We're going to have, Brentford I think which is a Monday night and now Mm -hmm. that Chelsea game has moved again as well to a midweek whereas it was, there was a lot of talk about a protest for that one and I know midweek kind of games are not necessarily the best times for this kind of thing to happen where people are coming in from work and things like that but look let's see what happens Uh, as I say some of the fans at least are making themselves heard again what exactly the message is I'm not sure but I think I support anybody who's pushing the Glazers, whatever, to do something different. And yeah, it's going to be up to them on how they support a new manager, what gets changed in the kind of more background of the club. That's the biggest issue. You know, we're still waiting to see what exactly influence Ralph Ranick is having. Where is John Murtrow in this? What exactly is Darren Fletcher's role? You know, it's not too clear on where all the decision-making is going on and uh, how things are going to move forward, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I never was. Again, going off on it in the sky as well. I know a lot of people give Nell a lot of stick and he has relatively stayed quiet on the Glazers for a fair amount of time. But at least now, he's speaking up about it as well. Um, whether anything will change, I doubt it. But I do think they will actually spend some money this summer. Um, at I- least. They they generally tend to spend money when we miss out a Champions League.
1: Yeah, to, to be fair, I've said before, to be fair to them, on the, in the last several years, nobody can complain about how much money has been spent on players. The only thing we might be able to complain about is which players came in.
2: Yeah, and, and how, you know. how it's been spent.
1: Exactly. And now, I don't know if you saw the news today, actually, that these kind of things are actually more interesting on the fallout from this, where our head scout and head of global scouting have both left the club today. Uh, so this kind of change within the club for me is actually much more interesting and might be leading to something that is a more long term difference. I mean, Jim Lawler, who is our chief scout, has been with the club since 2005. He was here under Alex Ferguson although it wasn't until after Fergie left that he was kind of promoted to chief scout. But he has been at the club a long, long time. So he's been here when things were successful. Alex Ferguson trusted him as somebody's opinion on players coming in and out. And he's been one of the most important guys. You know, how we understand it on our our club, how things go, is we have a kind of transfer committee. And it's like, I don't know exactly who they all are, but there's like three, four, five kind of guys who all have a kind of vote on which players come into the club. And then the manager then kind of has the right to veto any player, Uh, you know, so this kind of transfer committee come up with players and then the manager basically says yes or no. And that's the kind of way how I've understood how things go on and whether it's still going to... We hear that Eric Ten Hag has been pushing quite a lot in his kind of talks of agreement for having a lot more control over kind of scouting and players coming in. And, you know, I, I, I can't say that's only a good thing, but I think any kind of change, there's definitely things that do need to change. You know, we need to try mm-hmm. something different. What's gone on before obviously isn't working. Uh, so, you know, let's see, let's see where things go now.
2: Yeah, um, I think, uh, Yeah. like you said, Law's been there a long time, but I think refreshing our scouting department, especially when ultimately it's not been doing a great job. We know that the players who have come in haven't been the best. I think, what, you know, successful signings post you can probably, like the super ultra successful signings can count on one hand, maybe. Um And I mean, I was done when they spent 80 million on, 80 million on Maguire. I, not to go back to it, but I just remember at the time thinking, you've got 80 million pounds, the most ever you spend on a a centre back, and you can only find Harry Maguire. That makes a made zero sense to me at the time, and it even looks even worse now. But you can't go around Europe and find a centre back with equal or better qualities. I mean, that's it's nonsense. Um, so I'm happy with a refresh of the scouting department. Happy for Ten High to get more control. Just I'm happy with throwing it all out. Uh, but ultimately, we don't really know what it means until we get more clarity. But whether we even get that is another another thing. Because we don't get that much clarity on the inner workings of Man United.
1: Yeah, we don't. Like I say, bits of news come in and out over here. And you hear things from, you know, I kind of get bits of information from a few people I know around the club. Uh, but yeah, this is big news. Like I say, Chief Scout Jim Lawler and then Global Head of Scouting, Marcel Bout as mm. well, uh, who came in under Louis van Hal initially as a coach and then ended up on the scouting team and again was kind of promoted and ended up as quite an influential figure there. And yeah, Today, both of these two have gone, so this is the kind of fallout at the moment. And I'm assuming that this all comes from kind of what Eric Ten Hag has asked for. This is, yeah, what I, I think assume. so. I think you know, at the moment, he has already kind of said, Look, I will come in if these things are changed. And yeah, he wants to bring in his own people. How then he fits in with Ralph Ranjik and what his that's still all to be worked out, I think, at the moment. Uh, you know, what exactly Ralph's long-term role in the whole thing is going to be is still very, very murky. But I hope hope he stays and that he is still involved in this in some way. From the way he's talking,
2: especially after this game, it sounds like he will be more involved than just this two-day advisor or whatever. It sounds like he's going to have a bit more of a say, but that's just the impression I got from what he was saying about clear out and players and whatnot. But uh, uh, I mean, yeah. You'd hope there was some joined up thinking we're bringing him in that he will be sticking around for more than just uh, some sort of like token advisory role. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see.
1: I mean, yeah, in the last few weeks, he does seem to have been talking a lot more about kind of the structure of the club, scouting, sports science. Whereas I've I noted on the podcast about a month ago, I said every time he's asked about everything, he just says, listen, I'm just the manager. My yeah, job is just the why, next that- game. I don't want to, you know, I'm not talking about transfers. I'm not involved in who's the next manager. And that's, he just said, I'm just here to pick the team, for the next match. Whereas in the last few weeks, he's been putting out quite a different message, uh, mm. you know, where he's, so, and, and I actually think that's a good thing. So, as I said, and I hope he is involved in like how, where we go now from here.
2: It's sort of coincided as well with the agreement of who our new manager is going to be, even though it's not official. I think we all know, even, even you'll admit there's Ten Hag, right?
1: Yeah, there's obviously been some kind of verbal agreement. It's not definitely signed and sealed. You know, you hear that he is asking for certain things, which is good, which is good. You know, you don't want him just to come in and be happy with whatever the setup is because there's obviously a lot wrong with how things are going on at the moment. Uh, But, you know, at the same time as well, I do think that Eric Ten Hag is a big gamble. Uh, Coming from the Dutch League, there's been a lot of managers who were successful at Ajax in the past who failed miserably after leaving there. Uh, you know, you could even look at people like, I think mean, it was Frank de Boer who ended up getting fired at Inter Milan and then was absolutely useless at Crystal Palace. And yeah, he was also the winning Ajax manager. I think the thing, though, that sets Eric Ten Hag on a slightly different level is one, he hasn't just won things in Holland. He's done very well in the Champions League. He also has kind of experience back from Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. Uh, so he's got by, a few by extra things. Yeah. By
2: Munich two, didn't he? He was manager by Munich Two or something. Yeah. And exactly. also he he did he did have a job before um before Ajax.
1: Yeah, he has actually worked with Steve McLaren when he was at Twente as well, we're here. Uh, that's why any, any anybody with any kind of Dutch connection to the club has been thrown out there as somebody who might come back to the club. So that's like Steve McLaren, who used to manage out there, Renny Mulestein, who was obviously one of the coaches under Fergie, Robin van Persie, Yap Stam, it's just like, you know, the most basic of journalism, I think, where they've gone right, who's got any kind of Dutch connection and has been been at Manchester United and might come back to them. Uh, so
2: <laughs> It was the team I was thinking of was actually go ahead Eagles. Oh, I should to Google yeah. it. But he managed go so before he went to Bayern Munich 2, he went he was at Go Ahead Eagles and he managed to get them promoted. The only time they've ever been promoted in their history. So yeah. There's some pedigree there. You know. Um so yeah, it's it yeah, is a gamble, it. but a uh, gamble we have to take, ultimately.
1: Yeah, and I would said, and I think most of us on the podcast have said, look, it looks like it's Pochettino or Ten Hag. I'm kind of happy with either of them. There's pluses and minuses to each. And the big, big question is that they come in and they have to be backed. They have to be backed by the club. They have to be backed to, like, put the right structure in, the right players. And that is going to be the only thing that is, when there is such a clear out, when there's going to be such a kind of change of squad and everything... That he's it's going to take time, right? It's not going to change overnight.
2: Sorry, uh, Arsenal have just got a penalty, <laughs> so I'm just seeing what's going on. I'm just completely distracted by the TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And yeah, as we're talking, there is the yeah. Arsenal Chelsea game and going on.
2: As as Poliquet is kicking off, <laughs> uh, so and it's John Moss gave it. So you know, it's probably fifty fifty whether it was a penalty or not. Um, sorry, what, what did you say? I'll, I'll keep saying. all this in. <laughs>
1: I was just saying, look, we all looked at Pochettino, we all looked at Ten Hag, but we all said that, look, the most important thing is that these guys are backed to come in. And it's probably going to take time where, you know, there's a lot that needs to change in the club again. Um, I mean, there there was a lot of questions, though, that go back now to what kind of the job that Ole did and where we're at under Ole. And it seems to go into two ways now where I see a lot of people saying, look, Ole managed to get... Third and second in like the European final with this squad. What an amazing job he did. And then equally, I see a load of people saying the mess we're in is all down to Ole. So you get these two like extreme kind of levels of view over there. I don't know where you're at on that kind of scale.
2: Somewhere in between, like he's not left us in the best position ultimately with this squad that we have. Uh, lots of players on too long contracts. lots of people with. Running out of contract, um, a mism- misbalanced squad, um, players brought in who are frankly terrible, like Maguire and Wambisaka. Like, yeah, it's not the best. You look at it now and you think this squad is not great um, and it's all over the place. And that kind of is down to Ole. But ultimately, at the same time, I don't know, it, this squad didn't seem so bad last year.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, we were all. I, I'm sure I did a podcast with you early in the season. I am, I remember you saying, "Look, I don't think we're going to win the league because our midfield obviously. is not good enough, but we should be second, third, somewhere around there." you weren't you weren't expecting any less than that with this squad, right?
2: I was I was saying third or fourth. I thought um, I thought we were like on par with the Chelseas, yeah. a bit below them. Fair enough. Uh, obviously, I was very wrong. Arsenal have won this game, so that's probably top four for them.
1: Mm, I don't know. I'd say every week it looks like a different team are looking top four. You know, uh, Spurs, Arsenal. Uh, we, you know, three points that we got on Ennis Norwich, where Arsenal and Spurs both lost there. It, it just shows you that it's still not totally over that top four. And there is, a, what it does show is that there's a massive gap from the top two and down to there. You know, Chelsea are just bobbling around or a third. They're not that great either. And then, yeah, obviously you get Arsenal, Tottenham, ourselves, who, as bad as we are, are still somehow, like, not mathematically out of that kind of top four race. Um, but uh, even if games like this look bad. But, yeah, look, that is our next match, Arsenal, on Saturday. Um, yeah. Lunchtime kickoff. I don't know if you're feeling... <laughs> I know you're never confident anyway.
2: I mean, how can you be confident with our rubble? And these lot are just beaten I mean, they were on a te- they were on a three game losing run now, just beating Chelsea four two. So they're all pretty pretty high. Their home form is decent. I know they lost to Brighton, but in general, they are good at home. Um, and we are just a shocking side. Like I said, we beat Norwich three two, and we were still terrible in that game. So it's hard to see us getting anything from that game. You would hope it's not as bad as the Liverpool game, obviously, but.
1: No, look, Arsenal are nowhere near the level of Liverpool. Liverpool are obviously playing really well. I think we Uh, could
2: actually, against Arsenal, we could actually turn it into a bit of a scrappy game, um, which would probably suit us. Uh, A lot like the game at Old Trafford was, like pretty low on quality, kind of scrappy, and then you just win it by the odd goal. That's the kind of game we could turn it into.
1: It all depends if we can get a couple of these players back. As I said, for me, as soon as I saw the team against Liverpool, I was just like look, the very best we can hope is that somehow we get a nil-nil draw. And that obviously went out the window after five minutes uh, because, you know, we're down to bare bones there. And I do remember saying as well when Ralph came in and cleared out a lot of players, I said, look, I think we may regret this because we always have an injury crisis uh, around this time of the season. And, yeah, it's happened again. Um, I mean, I do get that even with a full team out, I'm not saying that we would have beaten Liverpool or anything, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been that bad. Uh, especially the likes of kind of Fred, McTominay, who are the ones who do put some kind of fight in. You know, when you see the players who are out there, like, it's just, there's not a lot who can give you that kind of something to hold on to. Uh, we said it on that Norwich game, as soon as Fred went off injured, when we were like looking pretty comfortable in that, the whole thing kind of fell apart. Uh He's been that kind of shout for our player of the year with De Gea. Maybe Ronaldo gets in there. I did ask Ed that last week, uh, who gets a shout for player of the year. And there is only really De Gea, Fred, maybe Ronaldo as a shout in. If you had to give it to somebody, who would you give it to?
2: Probably Fred. Although he he wasn't great at the beginning of the year. But recency bias and all that. And I like him. I like him. At least he tries. And right now, I give you points for trying.
1: Yeah, uh, Do you have any other one to give a shout out to from the game that we saw for the first time in a long time, it wasn't actually his debut, but uh, Hannibal Medjbury came in for a late cameo and you were kind of actually quite happy for him to come in and get a yellow card and make a couple of fouls because after you're losing kind of 2-3-0 to Liverpool, then you know back in the day that when these matches went, you just say, listen, let's start kicking a few players because, yeah, we we have to go down fighting at the very least.
2: Hmm. I mean, I think it was just youthful exuberance more than they actually wanted to kick people. But yeah, it's nice to see him at least, again, put in a bit of effort um, more than a lot of players were doing. So yeah, just, I like how we managed to not really talk about this game.
1: Hey, I've tried to avoid as much as I can to talk too much about that match and see what else we have to talk about. Uh, I mean,
2: uh, my big conclusions from it were I think we may have the worst set of fullbacks in the league, you know. I genuinely do. Like, Dalo was so bad in this game, and he has been pretty poor for a while, that it actually makes me think I'd rather have Wan-Bissaka at right back, and he is awful as well. So, I, that I was fun. I thought the weird
0: thing and was then,
2: that,
1: I thought the weird thing was, Aaron wan actually looks relatively decent when he switched to the left side. He
2: did, which was absolutely bizarre. He he sort of resembled a footballer at left back, which was not something I expected, but my God, Dalo was bad. Like, really bad. Um...
1: You have to and say then, as well, like, you know, we slag off the likes of Dallo and Juan Bissaka, but what does it say about Alex Tellez and Eric Bailly that they weren't even considered that you're even good enough to come and play in mm. our bare bones kind of team we're at at the moment?
2: Well, it's weird that Bailly doesn't even get a shout um, at all, but I guess he prefers Jones, um, which is fair enough, I guess. Um, Tellez, I mean, Tellez has been pretty poor lately as well. Uh, yeah, he was awful against Norwich, so... And he can't defend, so, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, I, did, I, would have been, I would have dreaded seeing Taliesin against Liverpool. Like, for, He can't defend at all. you would, would have had a nightmare too. So, you know, they're all terrible. Um, and then the other one was Rashford, who, again, had an awful, awful game.
1: It did, but again, like, and you're you talking about fullbacks, and I mentioned already Maguire, I mentioned already Rashford, and the reason I talk about those players is because we have seen these players play very well for Manchester United. Uh, whereas, you know, the likes of Baye, the likes of Tellez, have we ever seen them play very well for Manchester United? No. We might have seen them play okay at the very best, the odd match here and there. Whereas, you know, Rashford has had several years of playing very well for this club. Maguire did have a decent season last year. Luke Shaw, when we talk about fullbacks, people were talking about him as being like, you know, a player of the year. He has been our player of the year in the past. Also had a great year last year. People were surprised he didn't end up in the kind of Euro uh, 2020 team of the tournament after another great season. So they're the players where I still kind of think maybe with a fresh start there is still a player in there. Whereas there are others, like I say, where we're talking about Dalo by Telez I don't know if these players have ever really shown a Manchester United level of quality.
2: Yeah. Although, I mean, I've, I've never been wholly convinced with Maguire, but yes, he has had decent runs at points. Uh, yeah, and you have to think about
1: Maguire. It's not only Manchester United. Like, Gareth Southgate still protects him. He still says yeah, he's worth playing. He is a good player.
2: England's set up so defensively that any centre-back gets a massive helping hand already. As soon as you start, you are shielded by two defensive midfielders. Um, you've got Kyle Walker's speedy Gonzalez and Luke Shaw actually playing well as your fullbacks. So you are pretty well protected. And John Stones, who actually is a decent centre-back, is John Stones. So he's going to always... And it's a slower game and the, the you know standard is a bit less. So he's going to be well protected in that setup. Um, so yeah, Rashford for me though... Just moving on. I'm trying to get through as many topics as we can because we've got to wrap this up soon. Sorry, guys, I have to leave. Um, with Rashford, it's like nothing he does at the moment comes off for him at all. Like he literally can't control a ball, right? He his first touch is shocking right now. And I, the thing is, I've seen Rashford have a decent. Like normally, when Rashford has been good, his first touch is great. Like he's got a decent first touch. He can control the ball coming over. From the other side of the pitch, no problem. Now he can't control anything. So that would make me think that it's just all mental. There's something going on. I would hate to think that the injury he had where he played through it for some bizarre reason, and me and you were very critical of at the time, has like absolutely hampered him forever. You'd hope not. Um, but yeah, I, I I would like to. I know people want to, like, you know, get rid of Rashford, get rid of this, like, uh, I still think under a new manager, fresh start. They can. There is obviously a good player in Rashford. We've all seen it, and he's still young. We can hopefully get that back out of him. Maguire, I'm I'm not convinced, but his his like his liabilities and his flaws are are too prominent, and we've all seen them.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, as I say, these are the players that I still have some hope for because I have seen them perform well for us, and not just in the odd game. You know, even Eric Bailey has had a good game for us, uh, but it'll be like you know one game in like six months or something. Whereas Rashford, sure. Maguire, they have played consistently well for us at certain points. Uh, You know, Maguire less so, whereas the other two have been around for a while. So that's why I see, look, whereas a new manager might still be able to get a tune at them. Let's see. But we know there will be a lot of change over there. Uh, We are going to wrap this podcast up. Uh, I'm also actually on holiday at the moment, and this match completely ruined the start of my holiday. (laughs) Um, Before we finish off, I do want to give a shout out to our regular sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, I'm sure you all know the drill by now, our regular listeners. We've all had the Manscaped stuff. It is quality gear. Go and get hold of some Manscaped trimmers and things like that. If you haven't got it already, head over to manscaped.com. The performance package is their best thing. You can also just look at the Lawnmower trimmer or the Weed Whacker, which is the nose and hair gear they have over there. But yeah, United Hour 20 will get you 20% off anything on their website. They deliver at all sorts of places nowadays. You know, I know lots of different countries listen to this podcast. Uh, When we started, there was only kind of USA, Europe, and a couple of others, but now Manscaped are delivering to most of the world. So go and check it out, manscaped.com, United Hour 20. Um, But, yeah, look, we are going to wrap this up kind of slightly earlier than usual. We did want to get something out for you guys, even though we were really – trying to avoid putting anything out. But yeah, I hope you appreciate that. I do also apologise if there's any qualities in sound quality with this episode because I'm on a bit of a random setup. Like I say, I'm on holiday at the moment. Um, we've got Arsenal coming up on the weekend. Top four is looking a stretch. I hope we can get some of these injured players back. Especially the likes of Fred, McTominay, because I think yeah, the midfield is where we're so struggling. Not and you know, as you've pointed out, right from day one of the season, Imran, it's not where we were strong anyway. So as soon as you lose like a couple of those, Pogba's obviously going to be out. You know, we could actually have seen the last of Pogba and Cavani in a United shirt ever. Well, let's no. let's let's hope, let's hope, let's yeah. hope that was last Pogba's last game. Well, I, would, Pogba's, I would, Pogba specifically, but also Cavani. I'm not sure if we'll ever see him in a <laughs> United shirt again. Uh, I can't remember seeing him at
2: any point in the season anyway so it wouldn't make a difference would it?
1: (laughs) Yeah well look there you go like you say these are the forgotten ones but yeah yeah, try to avoid talking if you may have noticed try to avoid talking about the match as much as possible and talk about what else was going on at the club Uh, maybe we'll have something better to talk about as I say we've got Arsenal coming up and then Chelsea and then Brentford Uh, look let's see where we're at the season's coming down and the most thing to look forward to is a new manager new start And let's just hope he gets the backing he needs. But, yeah, that's all from us for now, I think. Good night from me.
0: Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)